following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate you all for joining us here on this Wednesday evening, or if you're checking us out on one of your favorite places to catch podcasts later on the week. We always enjoy hanging out with you and talking a little bit about what is going on in the sports world Sports world today. It is DJ joined, as always, by my co-host, Kelsey. You know what, Kelsey? We, always, we say this a lot, probably more frequently than we should, but we got ourselves a busy week in sports, and a lot of it happening today, right of what we were prepared to talk about. Well, half of it kind of got tossed out the window and had to change for some other fun stuff happening. Yeah, uh, last-minute editing. It's called putting out fires, I guess. Uh, wouldn't know anything about that. Not like we do that in my regular day, day life. I didn't think I had to do it today, though. I thought hmm. today was going to be just one of those days. Necessarily didn't have to rush and figure out things and try to rush to do things. But you know what? Here we are. Um, lots of things changed in the last 12 hours, less two hours even. Um, so, yeah, a lot of fun. A lot to talk about. Can't wait to talk about it. This is one of my favorite times of the week, obviously. So, yeah. No, it's excited. It's exciting week. Exciting week to look forward to. Absolutely. We got, to, we got a lot with NFL playoffs. We got some move, head coaches on the move, some coordinators on the move. We got a lot going on the association as well, too. We got a lot to go with as well, too. But I guess we might as well just get rolling as well, too, because who's got it better than us? Well, just, you know what? A lot of people probably do. But we're not doing so bad ourselves. So that's a good way to lead us right into the tip-off. The tip-off, of course, brought to by our good friends over at SeatGeek. Use code Belly of Sports. Get yourself $20 off your first set of tickets as well, too. So go once again, SeatGeek, Belly Up Sports for $20 off your first set of tickets. And we're going to go ahead and start for the tip-off with the association and Big men are getting buckets this week. There's a lot of big men getting buckets, but we're going to, of course, start with the big news from the Bucks. A lot of B alliteration there, if anyone couldn't catch it. The Bucks making a move, letting Adrian Griffin go after about midway through the season, second place in the East. And Doc Rivers is now joining the team. And uh, interesting, I should say. Second place in the East. Your team's looking pretty decently. All your offensive numbers are in the top 10. Your defense is up there, too. It's been a little bit of a struggle in some points. Like they're winning, but getting by in some games that. For a comparison, for those who aren't real basketball fans, because I know we talk a lot of football here, so we'll make a football comparison. It's like if the Eagles fired Nick Sariani when they were 10-2, and two, basically. It's like, all right, you're winning all your games, even though some of them are ugly, some of them are close here and there. But it's kind of wild to see. But you know what? Doc Rivers exits the booth and heads back to the sidelines like a year after, not even a year later. So big move from the Bucks, And uh, I don't know about you. I think it's a good move, but a questionable one nonetheless. I'm not a big fan of it. I'll be honest. I've never also been a big fan of Doc as a head coach, especially of a team who needs some coaching and doesn't just need raw, raw on the sidelines. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't like this move very much, but you know what? I've been wrong before. And especially about this Bucks teams in the past, I've been wrong about Giannis and what his ability is. Maybe, maybe this is what he wants. I don't think he does. <laughs> I think the, the, the times are going to change, but it does make me wonder what did Griffin do? What did he do to get, eliminated from Giannis, and that's the exact point. Thank you, Jared. Did he butt heads with Giannis and Dame that quickly? Like, was it just like a clash of titans, if you will? Um, I, I, You know, subtle Greek reference if you guys don't catch that one. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's wild to me. You have a clash of titans with your best two players, and now you bring in a coach who is known for clashing with players and literally – calling them out and not in a good way uh, in, in front of every news station. And you just talk about a player in his prime, like Giannis, who doesn't really need that in his life. 
Ben Simmons has entered the chat to chime in on this situation as well. But I, I agree. It's very interesting. Like, I guess if you're going to make a coaching change, you need to bring in a move. So like a doc or a Mark Jackson, something like, like somebody else that you can't just bring in a Joe Schmo in this case, or you can't just promote somebody like your third string free throw shooting coach. You can't just bump them up or something. You have to kind of make a little bit of a splash, but I just want, once again, I'm, I'm like you, I want to know what happened. Like was he on some, it made Udoka stuff behind the scenes and we just haven't heard about it yet. Or what is actually happening to get him fired? Cause you don't really see that situation happen very often when you're second place in the East and by all signs, not really slowing down. I mean, I know it wasn't pretty necessarily, but you're, you're winning your games. You got there for a reason. Your two superstars are still superstars. I mean, like there had to have been something else going on. Like I agree with you and Jared, maybe butting heads to a point. Maybe he said something so like, you know what, what is Thanasis's role here? And Giannis said, that's it. We've had enough with you. You will mm-hmm. not speak about Thanasis. I don't know at this point. It could be just about anything. So that that is something we'll definitely keep a keep a keep an eye on as well, too. But also in the association, I'm gonna go in circle now. We're gonna talk about the big men because the big men were getting a whole lot of buckets this week as well. And I'm gonna go and start with Joel Embiid, or also known as Joel the process as well, because he dropped a franchise record 72 or 70 points, excuse me as well and then excuse me that is cat going to 62 the process setting the 76ers record now over 70 points and did on such high field goal percentage as well absolutely sensational performance by the process and you know what for i don't know what it is like they're trading james harden there was a lot of questions like how good are they are they kind of plateaued sixers look as good as they have ever looked in the process era honestly i mean i know with ben simmons and joel they're probably a little bit better at their peak before it all came crashing down but him tyrese maxi this is the bet. He's looking as good as he did last year in his MVP campaign. Tyrese Max is taking that next step. It's a that team's looking fantastic. And Joel Process continues to prove why he is not the best big man in the world. Jokic has a stance, but he's in that top five for overall players as well. Like the big men in a guard centric league, the big men have seem to be the two best players you can make a case for between those two plus Giannis, who I count as a big man. He's seven feet tall and he doesn't shoot outside the outside the paint. So the three big men to occupy three the top. What was that? He shouldn't be shooting outside the paint. Fair point as well, too. So of the top five players in the league, you can make a case three of them are big men. I mean, you could arguably make the case that there might be four coming soon. Uh, but for right now, I think I think three is an acceptable answer. I, it also depends on where you put LeBron in there. Because I feel like LeBron, if you actually count him still as a top five player, then yeah, obviously you have four, maybe even five if you count AD up there. But I don't think right now... There's season three, anyways. I think I'm wrong with playing the paint, I would, but he wants to play point guard on the perimeter. A little bit too much for my liking. If he played more in the paint like he did in Miami, undoubtedly, but I digress. Won't get into that. That's a 12 year old conversation. Well, we'll talk about that in the next guy we talk about here. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> no, I do think, um, you know, look, Embiid is, he's looking fantastic. I think the biggest thing is getting rid of Harden, getting that out of his system. Because um, I said it last year when Harden ended up on the Sixers, there's going to be too much, too much Harden, not enough ball to go to Embiid. And while it worked at times, it was not successful. Uh, and so you see him leave, as you said, Tyrese Maxey took that next big step to be a good number two, which is where I think he's comfortable at. I don't think he needs to be that prime number one option. Let him beat and beat. I mean, at the end of the day, the process is going to cook. The process is going to do what it wants to do. Um, him and him and Jokic head to head is one of the most exciting matchups we can see in the NBA on day to day basis. So, like seeing Joel succeed at all, period is also fascinating because let's not forget the kid started playing basketball at 16. Uh, so less than 12 years ago, I believe. So yeah, I, it's, it's impressive to see. Um, I, I enjoyed watching what he's doing on the, on the court, but I also more importantly enjoy the way the Sixers are playing to your point. 
because um, you also have to include uh, Tobias Harris in all of this. A guy who has stepped up, he can play a two, play a three, uh, as far as the option goes, and he can play as a kind of point forward in a lot of ways. Um, similar to, I'm not going to say LeBron because it's not that level, but more closely related to Pau Gasol in his ability to pass with his back to the basket. Uh, he doesn't necessarily need to back somebody down. He can do it from the three-point line just as well. But you can also have a mismatch with him as a three against a smaller three, put him in the post, and he is fantastic down there looking for another option. Um, so, yeah, the process, I mean, look, 70 points is nothing to joke about. Uh, also, fun fact for you, out of all of the uh, fit, uh, over 50-point games, or I think it's over 60-point games in the NBA history, there's like 14 of them. Over half of them have been performed by Kansas Jayhawks. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't, didn't know that was even like a thing until it got posted up the other day. And absolutely shocking. But no, I, you look, the process is number in my eyes right now. I'm going to put him, I'm, I'm still keeping him at number one B for the best player in the league right now. Um, I still I have Jokic slightly ahead of him, Giannis, depending on the year. Um, but you know, there's a one B, one one A, one B, one C in the in the NBA right now, and all three are big men. Yeah, let's we can't kid ourselves. Absolutely, and just to add a little more context to what we we're talking about: seventy points, eighteen rebounds, and five assists on a twenty net, setting the record taken from Will Chamberlain at sixty-eight, twenty-four, forty-one from the field, twenty-one of twenty-three from the free throw line. Which annoying that he shot twenty-three free throws, but the fact that he made twenty-one of them as a big man is absolutely incredible, nonetheless, and just. Incredible company to keep. We'll just leave it that way. And 24 points in the first quarter. Just absolutely sensational. And it was against- 24 points in a court in the first quarter alone, let alone one player. I'd say when a team scores 24, that's pretty standard. It's like when they score 30, they're like, oh, offensive outburst coming here or something like that. But he did that basically by himself. And he did it against Victor Wembanyama, who by all accounts is supposed to, supposed to be the next big thing. And he's looked really good and not taking anything away from him. But like, Joel basically said, hold on, young buck. Hold on. He leads rookies in a whole bunch of categories, but uh, uh, unfortunately, one of those categories is not stopping the process. Absolutely. And speak, you know, speaking of big men getting buckets, I don't know if it was what Joel did or what is, but it seemed to be contagious because the very same night, Cat beats himself on the way to 62 points as well. So he goes goes ahead and does that. It's the first time two players scored at least 60 points on the same night since 78. And unfortunately, he did his. His was in a loss to the Hornets. Needed every bit of his. They lost by just a few points. But Carl Anthony Towns, a guy that you have had very strong opinions on, and a lot of people have as well too. He seems to just be that kind of kind of player where you everyone everyone has an opinion on him one way or the other, whether it's his play or what it is. But hell of a night for him as well too. I let's see if he can actually keep it up. And against Charlotte, you want to see him do it in some of those other teams. And frankly, the Timberwolves have been really weirdly good this year too. So. If he can keep this up, who knows? Maybe Carl Anthony Towns asserts himself into that conversation, and it's all big men at the top. Well, a little ways not, to go, but let's let's not get carried away. Let's, let's get right. a little anxious here. Let's get let's go a little overboard. Yeah, no, uh, I think you're right here. I, I I do think he is excelling this year, this year. more so than normal. Um, especially we talked about you know I have a love hate relationship watching the guy play. He's so big and he's so good in the paint and he can be so dominant. It frustrates me to see him on the three point line. You just joked about LeBron playing too much point guard on the outside. Cat plays too much point guard on the outside. Doesn't need to happen. But at the same time, when he's on his night, like he was, 62 points is not crazy. The man has the top three now. The top three single-game scoring records for the Timberwolves in franchise history. He has scored now 62. His previous record was 60. 
And then, then the third, number three in that spot there is 56 points from, from Cat. So it's obvious the man can score. The man can get what he wants on, on his night. But he also did it both inside the paint and outside. When he gets cooking inside the paint, his outside game gets better because now the guy guarding him has to figure out what he's going to do. Is he going to back me down? In which case, I need to give him space so I can take that first hit. But if you give him space and he's knocking down that shot on the outside, there's nothing you can do to stop him because he, got, he already cooked you inside and now you have to worry about a deep three. No, no, there's nothing you can do to stop that. I'm sorry. That's what makes guys like LeBron so so dominant at times. And even Juan Manyama, why not besides the fact the dude is seven foot plus, the reason why he's so dominant is his ability to go inside and out, obviously not talking. And, and Joel, we just talked about Joel with a 70-pointer. That's what makes him dominant as well. And obviously I'm talking about that because he did it against Juan Manyama. But Cat can do both things. The problem is he's not consistent enough. And that's kind of the greater frustration. I'm sure if we had Jared on the show right now to talk his Timberwolves, he could give a laundry, long laundry list of issues with his uh, with Cat on the Timberwolves. But number one being consistency. It's always been down to consistency with Cat. If he just plays inside a little more, you see nights like this more often. I mean, 30 point night. Honestly, in my opinion, I believe Cat is one of those guys that should be averaging close to 30 points a night. I, I, honestly, with his offensive arsenal, he might have been one of the most polished big men to come out of Kentucky offensively that we've we've seen under the Calipari era. Oh, and I, I think that's overlooked in a lot of ways. And I, I believe it's just one of those things that just people forget because he's in Minnesota. Like, he is that good. And they also forget because you have Anthony Edwards on the team. And you also have the issue with the fact there is a giant tree still stuck down there. And thankfully, that tree didn't get in the way of Cat on, on this night. Yeah. Um, but, you know, eventually they'll figure that situation out. Um, but, yeah, I I, I, lo- I love this night from Cat. A little more so. I'd even say a little more so than Joel's night. And it's nothing against Joel. It's just I know they lost. I know the Timberwolves lost. But for Cat particularly, a guy who needs this type of night to get on a roll, this could this could set him up going into the All-Star break and carry him through the All-Star break into a, a, a great second half. And that's kind of why I look at this as like, all right, this is a good sign for for the Timberwolves to try to make the playoffs. For Joel, we all know night in and night out the guy can put up any any sort of bucket over anybody outside of really when his battles happen with Jokic and Anthony Davis, and even then he's still giving you thirty. So, uh, I, I mean, I love this night for Cat. It sucks because it came in a loss. Uh, it's the ultimate empty calories, you know, points argument if you if you will. Uh, but for me, I, I do appreciate this night from Cat just because it was a great night inside and out. Um, also from the free throw line as well. So, yeah, uh, it's, you know, probably left some points out there, but he, he'll take 62 anytime. Definitely some points out there, and that's in part because the officials in the final two-minute report, it is reported that they missed 10 calls in those last two minutes during that during that uh, meltdown as well. Granted, they had a 15-point lead, and they shouldn't have let that go in the first place, but 10 missed calls one way or the other in the final two minutes, that's not a great look either way. But either way, we won't get into the year of the ref because that will probably do yeah. that next week. So, and and I, I do just want to point out, I did bet on the Timberwolves to win this game, and I lost because this whole situation there at the end. So oh, thank you, Timberwolves. I'm not going to blame Cat, though, but thank you the rest of the Timberwolves for costing me 50 cents. Yeah, how dare they? Like That's 50 cents you could have used towards the next 50 cent bet you were going to make. It was part of a parlay, and that was the last leg of the parlay that needed to hit, and that would have won me 20 bucks. But you know what? I, I digress. I did. All good in the hood at this point, but either way, great performance from Cat and the big men across the NBA as well too. They've been a very, they've been, they really woke up yesterday as well too. When I think about waking up, 
I think about the sponsor of our next segment, Kelsey, Magic Mind. Yeah, absolutely. Magic Mind, if you guys haven't heard by now, Magic Mind has been a kind friend to the show. Uh, they reached out to me. Oh, man, I guess it has been three months now, three months ago. Um, and and they've they seen the show. They love what we talked about. But they heard my complaints about, you know, not being so awake, if you will, uh, struggling to stay awake. And it's been so bad uh, at times. I've fallen asleep even at the office. And I'll say it again. I've said it in the last couple times I've talked about this. Don't fall asleep at work. It's not. <laughs> your boss doesn't enjoy it. Your coworkers don't enjoy it. They all think you're slacking, all this other stuff that goes with it. Um, thankfully I'm not like most people. I have a, a nicer boss than most people. Um, I don't know if he's watching, so maybe if so, maybe I'm trying to smooch here. I don't know. Uh, but no, magic mind absolutely has been a help, uh, with products like, Ash, uh, with ingredients like ashwagandha and lion's mane mushrooms, along with some high quality vitamins and minerals that you need to keep, to keep your body and your brain going. Um, Joe Rogan refers to him as a nootropic. It's really just a morning supplement to what you already do. So as you're going through your morning process, you take, take this nice little bottle, Crack it open, drink it along with your normal morning drink. Helps you stay awake, sustain your energy throughout the day. Don't you lose all that brain fog? You lose all that weird issue of remembering anything or keeping your mind focused. Um, whenever I'm using it uh, during the end, especially at two o'clock afternoon time, man, it's I'm able to get through it with no problem. That nice little hazy used to be a hazy time frame for the day. Uh, now it is not a problem whatsoever. Um, so if you guys want to learn more about it, head on over to magicmind.com slash jan high low sorry high low sports and then it, when you're there go ahead and insert the code jan high low for up to what, 20 25 uh, extra off which is a 75 percent total um you get off for up to a one or three month subscription so it's been absolutely fantastic having them work with us um yeah i, I mean i honestly can't say enough about them they've, they've been absolutely fantastic helping us out so going over there, insert the code Jan High Low J A N High Low for your chance to get up to seventy five percent off of your subscription of Magic Mind. And if you're in the area with Sprouts Grocery Stores, what DJ just found out he is. Um, so I imagine he will be going in over to a Sprouts here very shortly to pick up some Magic Mind. Uh, but they are now in stores in every Sprout grocery store. So be sure to check that out as well. If they still have them in stock, we don't know. So uh, go go check that out as well. But we appreciate it. Uh, everything they've done for us for Magic Mind. Um, it's been an absolutely pa- fantastic partnership for sure. Absolutely. Definitely want to go check that out and give it a try to find yourself wide awake and feeling a little bit more electric throughout the day. And speaking of electricity, there's a bit of a we got a bit of a shocking development here to start out in the main event is we're going to head over to L.A. And the Big Ten is going Hollywood on us as a, who's got it better than us. Well, we'll see if the Chargers do because the coach and carousel start to lose some seats. The the musical chairs of seats are starting to fall to tick away a little bit as the Chargers hiring Jim, Jim Harbaugh from Michigan. So at least he gets to keep the blue and the khakis. This will still go well together. So he's heading over to be the head coach of the Chargers. And you know what? We talked about this too. This is one of them that we kind of talked about as a, you know what? This kind of makes sense. Neither one of us is a, necessarily the biggest fan, but you know what? It works. I'm not going to say we spoke it into existence, but you know what? We didn't speak it out of existence. So, you know what? Good move for the Chargers. He's got some work to do, obviously, because that team is in salary cap hell and injury hell, but you got a quarterback. You got that for you. Probably the best quarterback he's had, arguably, depending on when you go back to when you Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick and that kind of situation there, too. But you know what? Can't make sense for him. And you know how Jim Harbaugh likes to be involved in player personnel groups? They don't have a GM, I don't believe. Or if they do, they just hired one. I believe they just hired one today if they did, if I'm not mistaken. If not, he's going to have a say in player personnel, which is one of one of the things that were part of the falling out in San Francisco. So you know what? Good move, I guess, for the Chargers. We'll see how it plans out, but good move. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, I love this move. Um, you know, I think the Chargers here were uh, were drinking their Magic Mind, which, by the way, I messed up on the code. It's Hilo20, and the, the website is magicmind.com slash J-A-N-Hilo. Um, let me just go ahead and correct that now. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, no, it's, um, it's a great move. Uh, I think for Harbaugh going to the Chargers, we'll see what he does personnel-wise. I do think with him having a say, it's going to be very interesting. Um, we joked about it on Tier Tuesdays. If you guys did check that out, go over to Belly Up. Uh, YouTube and check out our tier Tuesdays we did yesterday where we ranked the landing spots um, as far as what's the most optimal. But the one thing we talked about was, oh no, where does Harbaugh go? And does he make the mistake of starting over? And and in the case of the Chargers, that's the mistake. You, you don't get rid of Justin Herbert, plain and simple. But you do have to cut cap. And unfortunately, his contract is one of those ones that is up there. And there's a quarterback in the draft that he knows that Harbaugh knows well that is always a possibility I joke about it but I say it just because you know what at this point in time I'm not putting anything out there because the reason why I chose him to go to the Titans at the end of the day I believe it was Titans. yes the Titans was because they could start over with no issues they could go draft that quarterback they could go draft that running back that gets him you know that he's familiar with that he knows works so uh, I don't know if he can do that in LA he could probably do the running back depending on what they do with that clear but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does with the player person. Now we know the co- we know the coach can win, and he can win with subpar players as far as the grand scheme of the NFL, and he can win with ex- excellent players. He doesn't. It doesn't. And there's no in between. I mean, he doesn't care what you, what's on his team. He coaches the X's and O's, and he coaches the Joes and Smos, and that's the important. One. He has a great combination of both. Both Harbaugh brothers are able to do that. As much as I make fun of the khakis and car, uh, the khakis and cleats, it's one of those situations where he is a great coach. At the end of the day, he knows the game. He's got a brain for the game, and now he doesn't have to get worried uh, about paying for a hamburger for a player. You know, he doesn't. He's not going to get suspended for buying Justin Herbert a hamburger. Like, hey kid, maybe put some ten, maybe put some pounds on. Let's go to in, let's go to In and Out, get some wild style. Like, yeah, it it's not an issue. Whereas, obviously, we know the issue, the history there in Michigan. Um, yeah, I think I think it's a great situation for the Chargers trying to rebuild. Can they ever get over that hump? We'll find out. Um, if there's a coach that's going to get them there, it's probably going to be Harbaugh. Um, but it does again, not just player personnel, but there's also the fact that staff, Kellen Moore in particular, guy that they've said is staying, they claim is staying. Him and Jim would be a fun combo. <laughs> yeah, because Har- we all know Harbaugh is an old school, eye form single back type of co- coach. He loves play action passes. He and he loves tight ends, and he loves the run game. He is as despite the man that was a quarterback during his days and loved to throw the ball. He still does so out of very uh, under center formations. And Kellen Moore is a new age quarterback. He loves the shotgun. He loves it. So do they mesh? Can they stay together? Can Kellen Moore stay in that team? Who has built a rapport with with Justin Herbert? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it is. It, it's. It's a great move for the Chargers, but at the same time, it's a concerning move because now all the things you brought in to help your future quarterback, your franchise quarterback, succeed are no longer there except for Kellen Moore. Does he stay? Does he go? I don't know. I I will say, too, if those two can mesh, it'll be really brilliant, kind of like when Pittsburgh hired Mike Tomlin. She brought in Mike Tomlin's zone defense with the old Blitzburg style, and you meshed a zone blitz defense, which terrorized the league for those first five years. So if they can get a mesh like that, it'll be ideal. But we'll have to see, of course. Salary cap is in hell. Mike Williams probably has to go. Keenan Allen restructure go. Khalil Mack probably has to go. Like they're gonna have to do some work salary cap wise. But you got the fifth pick in the draft, which if you want to, you could probably trade that back 
and load up on picks, or you could take a maybe Roma Dunze and pl- replace both of those guys or Malik Nab or something like that as well. Or I, this is, we're going to go with a ridiculous thing. All right. We're going to call this alternate universe where he wants JJ McCarthy. He will get him. Damn it. You know who the first person that should call them is the Chicago bears. We will offer you the one and the nine. Give us Justin Herbert. I, at that point, how do you say if, if you're Harbaugh and you're really the hell bent on getting JJ, how do you say no to that? Cause then you could take whoever you want at one, whatever you want at five, basically, cause you're not taking those quarterbacks anyway, then you could take JJ at nine and you reach. And then if you're the bears trade, Justin Fields to Pittsburgh for their one or something. I was going to say, what do you do do with Fields if that's the case? But I do. We're circling back. But this way you don't have to decide. Caleb Williams, Justin Fields, you go take the bona fide top seven quarterback that's right there as well. Then go sign T. Higgins or something like that in free agency with all your your salary cap space or Mike Evans. DJ Moore would have a field day. But imagine DJ Moore on one side, Mike Evans on the other, and Justin Herbert back there slinging it. With now Shane Walden as the as the offensive as the offensive coordinator, who he looked pretty good with Geno Smith and yeah. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett out there somewhere. Now DJ Moore and Mike Evans are out there somewhere with that nuclear arm known as Justin Herbert's right arm. I don't know. I'm just saying if he's if for some reason Harbaugh's letting him out there like he's listening, quote unquote, Chicago should be on that phone right now. And be like, sir, what do you want? Yeah, uh, I mean that would be very interesting. I can't lie that if. If we're looking at the grand scheme of things of where if if Justin's not going to be the future quarterback there, then yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. You go get that number one spot. But if for some reason we hit that one percent, and truthfully, that might be the best case scenario if you're the Bears, even too, because not only do you trade the number one for a top tier quarterback, you also can trade Justin for the other Justin, Justin Fields, for a plethora of picks. I mean, I don't believe I don't believe a one and a two is out of the question here. So, just saying, I don't think it is. I, I think I think a team who wants him is going to pay for him. And I think you know, t- look at a team like the Falcons potentially go out there and drop the one and the two for him. If Atlanta does that, you get to stay in the top ten. Oh boy, which means you can grab an extra offensive lineman to keep Herbert upright to throw nuclear missiles. Even better. Just imagine Bill Belichick with the Falcons with Justin Fields as his quarterback. God, he gets so pissed at some of the sacks that Justin Fields takes, though, because of how conservative and the old-school Bill Belichick is. He would lose his gosh damn mind over some of those sacks. Hey, Justin did great in the conservative offense that is Ryan Day's seven-play system. So Chris Olave was out there somewhere. Well, hey, Drake London's out there somewhere. Kyle Pitts out there somewhere. We all know Belichick loves his tight ends. So yeah. Ohio State had five All-American offensive linemen. He didn't get hit for seven seconds. Atlanta eh, was- he's got one. Eh, good enough. He's got beach on the block for him. I, I like Justin Fields, and I think he'd do great there. My thoughts with Bill Belichick, it might be like, you'll be getting that sassy, grab the red flag, <laughs> Bill Belichick, who just throws it down. You're going to get that. Pulls it out of his sock and throws it down? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I'm but back to Harbaugh. I do think this one that just, it makes sense. Uh, I mean, you, despite all the questions, I think at the end of the day, this one makes sense. Uh, and I know we were trying to be cute and not pick the obvious one here by saying Harbaugh goes to the Chargers because we all knew the end of the day, the Chargers was the number one on every reference board to him. To, like Harbaugh was always tied to the Chargers, and you know we both were like, ah, oh, we don't want to take that low hanging fruit. Like let's let's look somewhere else alternatively. Um, so, I, but yeah, I think this makes sense. I don't think we're gonna complain too much that he ends up there. I just I am concerned for the players that are there. What happens for their future? Just because while they are in some detriment in the cab space, there are players there that you think might need a different style coach and they are in a contract that is could be on the cutting block there. 
So um, interesting to see. But, yeah, I do agree that I think Harbaugh was a good pick. I will say, too, uh, he's they called him a Michigan man when he started with Michigan. He's really a California kid. I mean, from Stanford to San Francisco and now going back to L.A., he, he's a California kid. He's a Michigan man, but he's really a California kid. He's going back home. And I like it. Like you said, he likes in it. Even when he had Andrew Luck in college, it was a power run. I form offense where they're throwing touchdowns to Kobe Fleener and guys and guys like that, yeah. which means Brock Bowers might not be out of the conversation for them, too, which he might. I hope not, because I want to see him slide to the, a few other teams. But that's, Justin slide Brock Bowers in there. Oof. He still Quentin Johnson learns how to catch the ball maybe in year two a little more consistently. And you know what? I'm just saying they might have something. There. I like I like the move. I think it'll work out good in the long run as well. But we'd be remiss not to mention the other head coaching vacancy that got filled as well too. Heading down to Tennessee as they actually filled a one with one we didn't either one of us had on our boards. Not because we didn't like him. We just he wasn't as hot of a commodity this year as it was last year. Brian Callahan heading from Cincinnati from the AFC North to the AFC South has taken over in Tennessee. And I'm not going to lie. I kind of overlooked him because he wasn't as hot of a commodity this year as he was last year. Like last year, I was saying, I think he'd be a good fit for the Colts while they were still interviewing 27,000 people. I thought he was one of the good ones they interviewed. I like this fit for, for Tennessee. I think it's a good fit. And if you're going to get the most out of Mayo boy, that's kind of the guy you want to have there. Yeah. I mean, this is one that you're right. It slid through both of our fingers. If you will, we just, Didn't we didn't pull the okay? Am I back now? Yeah, you're back. Okay, sorry. I was just saying that you know, we didn't pull the straw that right as we wait for Kelsey to the, the obvious straw from last year, but there we go. Man, I am gonna throw my internet today. <laughs> All right, I got you now. All right, are we back now? I can hear you now. All right, we're throwing the internet out tonight, boys. Uh, no, but seriously, uh, Callahan is just one of those guys that you, he lost his franchise quarterback. You thought, okay, not really thinking of him this year. He, what the job he did with Jake Browning was fantastic. Um, Jake, Jake Browning, the confidence to say he's a top 32 quarterback. Uh, take that for what it's worth. Um, and I think if players speak on the behalf of coaches, that confidence in a quarterback who has been shipped around the league, who was shipped out of his own college to go back to Washington, uh, I think it's something to look at and, and be like, hmm, I could use that confidence in Mayo Boy and see what he, see what see what Duke's Mayo can do at quarterback. Um, but you know, I, yeah, we overlooked it, but I don't think it's a bad pick. I think again, it might be the steal of the coaching pick so far. I, I think you look at it and. Just, Depending on what goes happens going forward, I think this might be the one that we look at down the road and it's like, oh, this changed the the trajectory of a franchise and for a positive, not necessarily for a negative. I think this one could be be one where you install a coach who obviously has a good system. There's no doubt about it, but he does rely on some high quality receivers there. Um, you know, I but he also relies relies on Joe Burrow's just ability to say, "F it, I'm throwing it to my 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 number one receiver and my number two receiver." Levis has a little bit of that same quality where he's like, huh, DeAndre's out there somewhere, depending on DeAndre's there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a good pick. I can't complain about it. They still probably end up getting rid of Derrick Henry for Callahan, but he gets to go get his go get his future franchise running back there in Tennessee. But it's gonna be the first time since Steve McNair that you you see an offense that is aired out equal to their run game. Because despite Joe Mixon's issues running the ball this year and last year. They still ran the ball about 50% of the time. 
It's going to be, I don't know, I think it's going to be a fun fun option for Tennessee going forward. One other underrated thing you have to think about it, too, is if I'm not mistaken, I think he was there during the end of the Andy Dalton, the early Joe Burrow year as well, too, if I'm not mistaken. I think he was part of the team for that. So I do think he had a little bit of a chance to see that rebuild from a bottom of the division team to an AFC championship caliber team as well, too. So it's he's not fam- he's not completely unfamiliar with the process, for lack of a better term, to kind of make that fun reference that we were talking about earlier with Joel Embiid. But I do think he he's seen that a little bit so he can help them get where they need to go. I mean, he's also played in UCLA. He was with Denver with Peyton Manning there in 2010 as well. He's been with the Lions and the Raiders as well. He's been – He's been around a little bit as well. It looks like he did join in 2019 for the Bengals as their OC. So oh. he did. He was basically there for the turnaround, which is kind of what Tennessee's looking to do. And I think that could help him. Barrel to, to, the, to the pinnacle and even this year. I mean, last year and this year. Exactly. Like, yeah, he knows how to get it done. And the one knock on Cincinnati was they weren't very creative offensively. They were effective. They just weren't creative, which is why you saw that they were just so slow out of the start of the seasons because they ran the same six plays. But te- And as soon as they figured out how teams guarded that, then they countered. But – I wonder how much of that was him, how much of that was Zach Taylor, how much of it is you have Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Sometimes it's hard not to just be lazy and say, go be great. So we'll see. That division should be fun when you factor him and Levis, Steichen and and Richardson, Stroud and Slowick slash D'Amico Ryans, and, of course, Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson if they figure it out after the back end of last year. But that's going to be a fun division even more so now. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes the NFL coaches overthink it. And I think the complaint said, oh, it's not a creative offense. But is it effective? Back half the season, yes. First yeah. half of the season, it's always a little bit like, okay, let, let's yeah, get you gotta it. Be, you got to figure it out. And also, Jake Browning has to grow into the position. That was kind of part of it, too. He had to grow in and take the reins there. And that was kind of like, oh, okay. Man's here now. He's ready to play quarterback. Um, and I think that's part of it as well. But I think overall, uh, you know, sometimes the NFL coaches, they just overthink their process. Bill Belichick had the perfect quote about it. Ah, my defense is simple, but it works. It's like, all right, thanks, Bill. It's like, it's well, my maybe maybe simple, but they're still throwing us the ball. Okay, you're right because at the end of the day, offensive coordinators overthink things just as much as defensive coordinators. So if you keep your offense or your defense simple, you can oftentimes outthink the other team because they're like, oh, they're going to come out in this look, but reality, they're going to do this, and then just like run it down their throat for forty yards. It's like. Some of the best plays in history come off of a very simple play, and that's not the bad, not the worst. I, I, I think I've heard worse complaints about future coaching or head coaching candidates and and new hires than than oh his offense isn't very creative at the end of the day. You will definitely hear worse, but I they definitely they're gonna have to get some weapons on the outside for sure because yeah. the Traylon Burks hasn't quite worked out so well. DeAndre Hopkins probably going to be around. Like they're gonna have to get some weapons on the outside for Will Levis to sling it around too as well. So we'll definitely they got the draft picks. They're in the thick of it too. They got a pretty solid pick in a very good draft class too. So we'll, we got a lot to talk about the draft late, not today, but later on in it coming up too. So it's a definitely one to keep an eye out for them as well. But in other in other coaching news around the NFL, we got some OC and DC hires as well. I think the prominent one that stands out though is Vic Fangio. Looks like he's heading back to the Eagles this time to be the defensive coordinator as well. Can't say I'm really surprised. And they also, considering we knew they're getting rid of Sean Desai as D coordinator, I mean they already technically did, and they're getting rid of Matt Patricia. Shouldn't have given him the job in the first place. Brian Johnson is out as offensive coordinator, and they're replacing and bringing in Vic Fangio. So good move. We'll see what he can do as well. I mean, when he's at his best, he usually has some corners that hold up on the outside. And with the Eagles, their their corner room was shown to be a little thin last year. Outside of Darius Slay, everyone else kind of was 
in danger, I guess you could say, especially if you didn't get that sack in 2.2 seconds from Hassan Reddick screaming around the edge or the middle collapsing. So we'll see how he kind of blends the defense or if they address that secondary in the offseason as well because we love Darius Slay around here, but he's also not a spring, spring chicken. James Bradbury, he's had, he was a little bit rough last year, we could say, and was really rough the year before, but those sacks in 2.2 seconds make things a lot easier. Keely Ringo, we'll see. He had some good playing time. Reed Blankenship's a torpedo. But what they got – but they got some work on the back end to work on as well, I'd say. And we'll see how Vic Fangio addresses that, either with coverage calls like Jonathan Gannon kind of did, or if they just make some repl- if they make some moves in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, people forget Vic Fangio as a defensive coordinator. Fantastic. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, defensive coordinator or defensive assistant on the Broncos Super Bowl team. I know it was Jeff Fox mostly, but uh, I, th- that I believe was he was the assistant. I think he was. I think he was the head coach after uh, Kubiak left. If I'm not mistaken. Okay, so I mean, still he had. Oh yeah, I mean, he was the D coordinator with the Bears when they were outstanding too. And then that those Broncos teammates that coach the defenses were great. The problem is you just lost Peyton Manning, and you yeah, and and your defenses can hold up so long if you don't have if you don't have a good offense, you're you're out of luck. The one thing the Eagles do have is a good offense. Put in a coach who knows how to scheme up some some great plays. Again, same thing we just talked about. Sometimes keeping it simple is the best way. Big Fangio, the Best at keeping it simple and somehow coaching his ends to get the best pass rush you've ever seen. Doesn't make sense. I mean, because realistically, it looks on tape like they just run up field. But in reality, it's the preset preset movement. It's then also stunts where they line up at tackle and stunt outside, which is a unique feature to Vic Fangio's offenses. Um, you know, his what whether it be the three four or his you know five man down uh, front line. It's all. It's all dangerous. The man knows how to coach defenses, um, and I'm glad he's staying in the D.C. role. I'm glad he's not trying to make that move back to head coach. I think there's some guys that know their role, and they're good at it, and some try to, like, overshoot. I think him as a head coach, you know, that that tester didn't really work out at the end of the day for various reasons, but I think him as a D.C. is something that's always, always good, and for the Eagles who need, absolutely need help right now at both coordinator positions, this is one that, so it makes and again. I'm kind of keeping with the theme here. It makes sense. Uh, it's 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 the common sense choice where you're just filling a hole of need. And I joked in our chat with Jared that yeah, I mean even dog poop is better than the previous guy there, and that's true because Matt Patricia has been practicing giving defenses wins since he was a head coach as the Lions um, and an OC as the Patriots. Sorry, Kev, but it's true. It, it it's definitely very bad. I'll also add on top of that too, Vic Fangio is one of the best linebacker coaches of all time. I mean, we forget he was the linebacker coach with Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis, among others too. Like going back, he's one of the best there. So he's going to make that room a whole lot better just by being in the room. And then those edge, edges, I think that we're going to see this next year, the Philadelphia pass rush is going to bounce back because you're going to have Hassan Reddick and Nolan Smith now in that Vic Fangio offense screaming off the edges. They're probably some of the older heads like Brandon Graham and Josh Sweat are probably going to move. I think they're going to try and get Nolan Smith out there to fly off the edge with Hassan Reddick. Yeah, the guy, the, he was a stud this year. Uh, Nolan Smith, uh, while didn't get used as much as everybody else, but he was still fantastic out there. They're going to be, it's funny because they're going to have three Georgia defensive linemen from the last four years on that offensive line. And that, I think that's a very, inter- on that defensive line, sorry, I should say. And I think that's going to be an f- uh, interesting aspect to their, their defense. You also talk about not just, what they're going to do at the pass rushing situation, but look at the linebackers they have. Nicobe Dean potentially coming back healthy. What can what can Vic Fangio do with a dynamic athlete like that? Also, if Shaq Leonard is still there, what can he do 
to maybe get a little more out of Shaq. We've seen him do that in the past with previous old heads, if you will, at linebacker. They come in. They don't necessarily play a big role on the team, but they play a circumstantial role where certain instances, certain plays, certain distances, they're out there. So I think, I think you know, there's a, there, Fangio's got a lot of work to do, I think, but I do think there's pieces available, like you said, Nolan Smith being one of them. Hassan Reddick is still fantastic. Their defensive front two at the defensive tackle position are fantastic as well. Um, also, let's not forget Jordan Davis or Devontae White can all or not. They can both slide outside, um, both of their center defensive tackles. So, yeah, they'll probably get younger, but then at the same time, they'll be fine. Honestly, to keep the Philadelphia Bulldogs going strong, I kind of want to see them trade us on Reddick and go get Trayvon Walker. I wanted to see them. I just want to see them get the whole game back together yeah. just for fun. We'll see. Does the Georgia system translate perfectly to the NFL, or is it just because so far, like Jalen Carter through the first half of the season was a Hall of Famer, second half of the season, that was I did just mix up Jalen Carter and Devontae Wyatt, didn't I? Go get Devontae Wyatt while you're at it. Get it, get them all in there, run that five, two, basically run all five of them out there. Who cares about the rest? But like I said, too, like there's well, I'm really curious to see what he's going to do with that front line and how he's going to do with the back end as well, too, because he usually. He has a good coach back end or a good solid back end, so he can get creative with the front end. So I'm curious now with a team that has a weaker back end if they're going to address it or what their plan there is as well too. But we got a lot to we got a lot to look forward to this offseason. It's gonna be fun. We got a lot of fun stuff planned, but we can't get too far ahead of ourselves because we're not even done with the actual season yet before we get to the offseason. We are now heading into I don't want to say one of the best parts of the playoffs, but the set maybe I'm gonna say the least. I'm gonna say the least the least fun playoff round though. I'm gonna call it the championship round because. Super wild card and divisional, you have all those games, and they're usually good games. And then there's Super Bowl week. Championship, you only get two games. They're they're great. Winner goes to the Super Bowl. But still, we got two games now. Looking at now, we got the Baltimore Ravens playing host to the Kansas City Chiefs after the Ravens, we'll say politely, kind of lambasted the Texans, especially in that second half, covered the spread and some cheese with it. And then the Bills losing a heartbreaker with the worst two words in Buffalo Bills sports history, wide right, to Kansas City after just – Honestly, I'm gonna say they choked it down the stretch because they were in full control most of the game. They they choked it away. So just we're not we're gonna call a spade a sugar spade at that one. The Lions uh weirdly surviving Tampa Bay while also being in control. That was a very odd game, but they found a way to win in a shootout. And then San Francisco copy and paste weirdly winning a close one against Green Bay, where Green Bay should have won the game, but they dropped like five interceptions. It felt like. And then Jordan Love. I guess he thought he was playing Madden on easy mode or something towards the end there and kind of lost his mind a little bit with coming to some of those plays. But either way, that leads us with San Francisco hosting Detroit Motor City. Dan Campbell's heading to the Bay Area. And then uh, Patrick Mahomes is playing his second career road game, but this time going to Baltimore. And we're going to go ahead and start there. We're going to start in the AFC. Baltimore getting three and a half points over Kansas City, which, okay, they should be favored, obviously, for obvious reasons. Been They've been the number one team all year, but... Three and a half points is kind of surprising over Kansas City, nonetheless, considering. I don't know. I would expect it to be like a one and a half or something like that. If you're going to give them a favor. I expect it to be much closer, but three and a half is interesting. But when I look at this one, who's going to turn it over first? That's the way I look at it. Both defenses are good. Both quarter, the two best quarterbacks in the NFL, arguably. I just, who's going to turn it over? Mark Andrews is somehow returning. I don't know how that's going to go. I, I really hope it's awesome because then we have two of the best tight ends on top of it. I think it's just gonna be who turns it over more or who turns it over last. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That was a boring way to break it down, but it's like, damn, everything is so even. That's dead right. I mean, like, who can who can keep the ball moving the most? I think that, that might be the better way to put. Who could keep the ball moving the most? Doesn't necessarily need to be 
touchdowns, but at least keep the ball moving. I want to see eight to 12 play drives. I know that's a lot to ask in today's NFL, but I I think to win this game, you have to control the clock. You have to be the one that doesn't make that mistake, but you most importantly have to keep the ball moving. You don't want to let their offense go and take on your defense as much as possible. Nothing wrong with either defense. Both have been fantastic this year, but you're talking about Patty and Lamar. Talking about two-time MVP, probably going to be two-time MVP here very shortly. And then you just said it. Mark Andrews is back. Is he fully healthy? I don't know. But a half a 50% Mark Andrews plus Isaiah likely currently. Damn good. Versus a Travis Kelsey. Pretty equal. I mean, it's not obviously the same. They're not same, same, but it's close. Uh, but receiving core, you look at the receiving core for the Ravens, despite everything. They are fantastic. Uh, this is this year they really stepped up. Besides being young, Zay Flowers especially has been fantastic. Rashad Bateman looks great this year. Actually able to get in and out of breaks healthy, um, and that's a big part of it. But then on the flip side of things, it's not like the Chiefs or anything to to, to sneeze at. I mean, like they are they're pretty good receiving wise. Um, and Rasheed Rice being the guy that you look at and be like, oh. He's he's here. He's the Zay Flowers this year for the uh, for the Chiefs. Like he is what Zay Flowers is for the Ravens right now for the Chiefs, and it's been a big help for him. Um, can another guy step up? Will it be Valdez Gantling? Will it be somebody else? Will it be Miko Hardman? We we'll have to wait and see. But um, yeah, I don't think either one of these defense are looking forward to their their duties because both corners, both sets of corners have a have a habit of sitting on routes. Unfortunately, the one problem with sitting on routes is you can get burned. And, you know, the one thing both of these quarterbacks are capable of is throwing over the top, especially if a guy like Marlon Humphreys out there. He has probably the biggest habit of trying to jump routes early, hit him with a double move. You have probably Rasheed Rice over the top for a big play. Um, So, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity for both offenses and defenses are just they're going to be trying to make plays at the end of the day. I think, you know, three and a half points. Yeah. Okay. sure. But. More importantly, what's the over under here? Because I'm I'm probably hitting the over on this one, despite it being in Baltimore. I don't care. I'm gonna call the over because both of these offenses are gonna be firing on all cylinders. It's gonna be fun. Um, and we're gonna see a battle of MVPs. Probably this is our new age Peyton versus Brady in the AFC championship, in my eyes. So I want to add to that as well, too, and take the counterpoint on top of this. Weirdly enough, how good both defenses are, too. Like, obviously, the Ravens, first one ever to lead in takeaways, points, and scoring, or takeaways, sacks, and turnover. Takeaways, sacks, and points. Jeez, they, they lead in so many categories. I keep overlapping. Kansas City was number two in basically two of those stats, and, like, number five in the other one, I think, or something like that. Like, they're not they're not that far off in any of them, either. We look at Kyle Hamilton, who was the perfect situation was going to the Ravens because they maximized every bit of talent he had goes anywhere else. He might just be a pretty good safety Baltimore. He's an all pro. We talked about this when he got drafted, he went to the perfect spot and they've maximized everything. He has what was that. I said, I still want to get that man on the show. Still one. If you're listening, Kyle, you're more than welcome. Or Kyle's he, mom. I appreciate you emailing me back, but we do want him back on the show. 100%. He's someone that you can match, you don't match up with Travis Kelsey necessarily, but he's someone you can, the ma- he's not going to get toast every single time. He's going to have his matchups as well, too, in the right place. You look at Kansas City with Nick Bolton, who, who's been absolutely incredible this year, too. And that linebacking core is the opposite of the Eagles. It's their strength, arguably, can match up with those tight ends. And you don't win all of them. You're going to lose someone, but they can, they're not a liability, basically. So, like, you have those weird ways to counteract each other. We mentioned the corners. There's like, 
there's like three all pro caliber corners in this game, arguably two of them on the chiefs. And then Marlon Humphreys, you mentioned as well too. Ronald Darby, the Ravens were missing their two starting corners last week and had no issues. Like they, they're, yeah. and we talk about the front lines, Chris Jones, the rear on one side, the re, Carl Loftus, the resurgence of Jadavian Clowney, Matt BK, Roquan Smith and Patrick. These defenses are incredible too. I, I'm not a lie. I know you said the over for obvious reasons. I'm almost leaning the under because I feel like this is going to, this is one bet I wish they had is where you could bet for both quarterbacks to rush for over 50 yards. I wish that was a bet option yeah. I could find somewhere because Patty's going to be running for 50 like he does in the playoffs, that weird goofy looking scamper he does up the sideline where it looks like he's going to go out of bounds and then he doesn't because no one's going to try and draw that flag. And then he's just running how he does scampering away from people, evading the rush. And Lamar's Lamar. We know he's going to get his 50 regardless. He might get it on one play. But I want a bet this has both quarterbacks rush for over 50 yards. I'm taking that one. That's fair. Uh, I do want to throw out injury. You mentioned injuries a little bit there, and we talked about it a little bit before. Uh, big one missing for the Chiefs, Willie Gay. Um, that's going to be a painful because you just talked about Lamar running. Well, a big matchup for him would be Willie Gay. However, you mentioned Drew Tranquil, who has had a lot of time filling in for Nick Bolton this year. And we all know him from his days as a Charger. He's fast. He's quick. He can keep up with a lot of quarterbacks. You can't, nobody could really keep up with Lamar, but at the same time, you're just trying to cut off angles. Um, he's a quality guy to do that. So, yeah, I do think that's, that's, you know, as a fill in, you couldn't ask for more if you're the Chiefs. Like, that's a perfect fill in, but it's still going to hurt. Willie Gay has stepped up admirably for the team. On the flip side of things, you look at the Ravens, not really anybody majorly injured, just guys holding on nagging injuries. We will see on Marlon Humphrey whether he's actually back or not. I don't know the full details there yet. Um, but you also had Kyle Hamilton who came back early from a what looked like a bad knee injury during the season. He's playing like he's it never happened. So Those two weeks off did him wonders. Yeah. My goodness, playing like play, the guy we'll talk about here in a minute and Sam Laporta, but he's playing like how Sam Laporta played in the the last week's game. I mean, it's been. It's impressive to see what they're able to do, um, especially with those bad knees and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, we'll wait and see. But to your point, I do think defenses could be – this is one I think that you have two options. It's going to be over the over by a lot, or it's going to be way under, and we might be scratching just 30 points in the night. Um, also, part of that comes into the weather because it is Baltimore. It is late January. Um, it's not necessarily fun weather. Either way it is, it's either going to be cold and rainy or it's going to be cold and snowy or it's just going to be cold. There's like three options. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be – that'll play a part of it as well. So, uh, I do do agree that there's going to be fun uh, – a lot of defenses – defensive fun, if you will, um, but a lot of offensive fun. So, I don't know how this game is going to go, but it's going to be fun. All right, putting you on the spot before we get to the NFC Championship game. Who's winning this game, Baltimore Ravens. Kansas City? You're taking the Ravens? I, I have to, man. Um, I don't know if you've seen the the uh, the conspiracy theory for this one based off the Super Bowl logo colors, but you know the two colors are red and purple. Um, I'm going to choose at least one of them. And this is the fun fact: the purple was the majority of that that logo, but the last three Super Bowls have featured the two teams' colors in the logo. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm going to take the Ravens here um, as the uh, the representative for the AFC. Also, I just something about the Chiefs right now. I don't want them to to win. I just I don't hate them. I don't hate anything that's happening there, but I also don't want to see them go back to a Super Bowl so quickly. And I'll say I want to see Lamar in the Super Bowl as well. So there's that part of it. I am also taking the Ravens for my own conspiracy theory of no team that has ever beat Josh Allen in the playoffs won their next game. For some reason, he is the Grim Reaper. They they beat Josh Allen, they lose the next week. So I'm going to take the Ravens as well, but they're going to cover that. The Chiefs are going to cover that three and a half point spread. It's going to come down to like a Justin Tucker field goal when it's tied or when they're down like 26, 24 or something like that. So somehow 
the Chiefs will find a way to cover that three and a half point spread. Because I think that's I get it, but it still feels like a kick in the nuts when you when you look at the fact it's Kansas City. Like they're the last five years that this has been the starting point of their season for lack of better terms is the AFC championship game. If you want to make the Ravens the favor, okay, but three and a half is kind of a that's a kick in the nuts, kind of. So yeah. Chiefs will find a way to cover that despite Vegas. Yeah, oh, 100%. I mean, it might be a, a two-point game, a one-point game. You know, they'll just they'll keep it close no matter what. Um, I also want to amend my earlier statement about uh, Lamar and Patty being the new age Manning and Brady. You mentioned Josh Allen just now, and that does actually make me rethink this. That is Allen versus Mahomes is the Brady Manning, especially with the way they perform regular season versus playoffs. And then Lamar is the Phillip Rivers. So can Lamar break the trend of the Phillip Rivers here and get to the Super Bowl? That's the big question. Meanwhile, Joe Burrow is just sitting there like, what am I? Like, there's there's too many quarterbacks to even do that. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> He's holding it up, and it's like a club in one hand and then a normal hand in the other. It's like it, your vote has been vetoed at this point. He's Vinny Testaverde. Damn, that was cruel. Good, but always injured. That was even before that time, too. That was even that was the was like going way back in the blender. But I, did, I needed to throw a shot at the Jets fans sometime today. That is always welcomed around here. That is always more than welcome. You did take the Sanchez route, which is the low-hanging fruit. But we do have the other we do have the other championship game we got to take a look at. Motor City, Dan Campbell, and the Detroit Lions heading to the Bay to take on San Francisco. Both winning in kind of different fashions. Detroit was cruising, and then it got a little close and weird at the end, but they won by, by a touchdown. San Francisco survived against Green Bay, if we're going to be honest. They survived, and Brock Purdy had one hell of a drive for the game-winning score. But other than that, he was very erratic. We'll see how the weather is there as well. If it's raining, I don't like that for either team, really. I don't like that for either one of them because both quarterbacks are – they seem to do a lot better when the weather's nice, even though Brock Purdy came from Iowa. You'd think he'd be used to it. But for some reason, I don't know if he has little hands or what it is, but, like, once that rain came down, he was all over the place. So this will be a fun one. I'm going to keep it quick. I'm taking the over on this one for sure. I think the Lions defense has been opportunistic but kind of trash for lack of better terms, in the secondary especially. They've been getting cooked when they don't get sacks. And I think defensively for the Niners, they can get got. And Detroit's a team to get it like we saw Green Bay do. What Aaron Jones did, uh, yeah, Jameer Gibbs gets that kind of space. He's scoring. Like, that's a different level of speed. And David Montgomery hurts to tackle. So I'm going to take San Francisco to win. I'm just going to get through all of mine really quickly. I don't like it. I, I like Detroit more, but I just – I feel like this is kind of – I feel like San Francisco finds a way to get to that Super Bowl this year after getting close last year. So I'm going to take San Francisco. I'd have to check the point spread. If it's really close, if it's under three points, maybe Detroit – if it's more than three points, Detroit covers that. But I'm going to take San Francisco to win. But it's going to be – ooh, it's going to be a weird game. If Brock Purdy has a game like he did last week, Detroit might run away by 14. But I don't think he's going to have another game like he did last week. I think he's be more honest P's and Q's. This is all assuming Debo Samuel plays even if he's only like 70%. I just need him out on the field to exist. I'm glad you said that because that was going to be my whole point. If of he doesn't play, I amend everything. But him being on the field alone is a threat, even if he's hindered as hell. Just his existence. 19 problems as, as his Twitter handle is exactly what he is. He is a problem out there. So he just has to exist on the field. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, there's a fun fact about Detroit playing in San Francisco this week. This is only their second outdoor game since November. Interesting to think about. They've played in domes since then. Uh, DJ's argument of everybody playing in a dome seems to hold a little more weight now. Uh, <laughs> but At least a retractable roof, everybody. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm actually okay with a retractable roof. Just keep it open for some snow games. It's like interdivisional AFC North games. I'm okay with it then. Close it till game time. Let it snow during the game then. Like, that's, like just keep it close. Old Texas Stadium is a perfect example. 
He's like, just keep it closed so that you can actually have a game there. You don't have to reschedule it. Yeah, keep the fans covered. Leave the middle of the field open. Easy, that works. Easy. If they yeah. have, uh, you have to hire fans to shovel. There's a damn problem. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, but that's no, so, okay. All right, with that out of the way, um, looking at both teams. I mean, yeah, you t- you talk about the defenses can both get got, especially both corners. It's going to be a set of which corner group can can to be the one to step up. Um, will it be Melifonwu and the, the lines? I'm going to pick Melifonwu because he's had the most impact recently from the corner position. Can it be, C, you know, CJ Gardner Johnson uh, talking all that smack to Debo, who literally said, don't make me repeat what happened before and showed the picture of uh, Sims or no Mims hitting uh, CJ Gardner Johnson in the face when he was with uh, the Saints and ripping his uh, face ma- or his uh, mouthpiece out. Um, but yeah, I mean, that'll be an interesting combination to watch there if Debo does play. Um, if Debo doesn't play, it does open up a lot of opportunity for the Lions because you've seen teams focus in on two targets. It's focused on Brandon Ayuk, focused on George Kittle. And if those two can get matched up against, then it's Jawan Jennings, who you're not necessarily as afraid of, of everybody else. Um, but then you still have the concern, obviously, of the guy in the backfield and CMC. While there's a two-headed monster in Detroit, San Francisco doesn't need that. They have CMC. Let's uh, throw some respect on the Jews. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Yushek is is fantastic he's, as well. He did the Super Bowl. When it's playoff time, we can't rule out the juice. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, that's fair. Um, they also have Trent Williams on that offensive line, so uh, you know it's it's not necessarily something you want to overlook is the blocking ability of the Niners. And with all that said, there's the same thing on the other side of the lines. These two teams might be the exact same team, just with one has a better quarterback. That's the way I look at it. One also one has a much better receiving core. I'm sorry, San Francisco, your receiving core isn't as good as what you're looking at in Detroit. But they do win the tight end battle. George Kittle is a better tight end than Hawkinson. Not by a lot, but by a fair margin. Right right yeah. Like, there's there's some things to be done there. But, no, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jameson Williams, I think those two will just torch the Niners' defense. Um, but most importantly, I think Josh Reynolds will be the guy catching the touchdowns. Sam Laporta, he's a matchup problem for anybody. Uh, I don't know who they're going to throw out there to cover him. I don't think they're going to let Fred... Do all the Fred Warner do all the uh, do all the covering of uh, Sam Laporta, but I, I mean maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, beyond him, I don't know who else you're going to throw at him. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see top to bottom. And uh, for the flip side of things, CMC has had to have, has to have a dominant game again um, for the Niners to win. And 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 Bosa needs to get after the uh, the quarterback Nick Bosa. And you need to see something from Chase Young. I'm sorry, you can't just sleep out there, Chase Young. You need to be impactful from start to finish. Um, so, yeah, top, uh, you know, sticking with the conspiracy theory, while the first logo was purple and red, they did create a second logo after the initial conspiracy theory was found. And the second logo had two different colors of blue. One of them looked eerily close to the Honolulu blue of the Lions. <laughs> and so, sticking with that theory, I'm going to pick one from one logo, one from the other. So, I'm going the Ravens in, from the AFC, I'm going the Lions from the NFC here. Um, I think it's also the I talked about it with in college football, the year of storylines, the year of Cinderella. These things are written in the stars, if you will. And right now, I don't think there's any better story written in the stars than the Lions. Let me just say, I hope you are right. I really (laughs) hope you are right as well, too. I really, really do. I bet hope I'm right as well. I will say if the Ravens do get it like we both think, they're looking at both the teams like, yeah, we clapped you guys by a combined 40 points in our matchups. So we're the Ravens aren't tripping either way. Like they look at these two and it's like, yeah, we're not we're not worried about you. So that'll be interesting to take a look at as well. But 
We definitely got some fun games this weekend. We can't wait to watch them recap them. We will have a DJ's best bets this weekend for these games as well, too. I have a little bit different for championship week, so go check those out. We're a little bit above 500 so far in the playoffs, so we got our moments as well. I just, if Once Jordan Love didn't stink and didn't miss Aaron Jones twice, he would have had those 18 and a half yards and that parlay snaps. But I digress. I'm not mad at you, Jordan Love, but damn you. Anyway, that's now going to take us into Kelsey's favorite part of every show, and that is, of course, Crunch Time. Crunch Crime brought to you by our friends at Outlier. Go to outlier.bet backslash high low sports. Get yourself a free seven-day trial to best farted not harder. I'll keep mine quick. UFC 300 taking place in April is starting to take shape. UFC just signed Kayla Harrison, one of the top female fighting prospects in years. Honestly, maybe even since Ronda Rousey is one of the most hyped prospects. Take on Holly Holm, a name that just about everybody knows, but is getting up there in age. But that's going to be one hell of a matchup. The card is loaded top to bottom, and there's still no main event. After last weekend, uh, Drickus Duplissis and Sean Strickland, so razor close split decision. If they are ready to go, that's your matchup for that's your main event for 300. If they can both health are healthy enough to make that quick turnaround. If they're not, but one of them is have one of them face Izzy Adesanya at 300, whether it's for the title or just him and Strickland with the rematch. That's a doesn't need to be a big name at the top of 300. This one's top to bottom, but I think you want a little pizzazz for that main event. So I think you got some options there in that regard. If you want if not, Leon Edwards and Bilal Muhammad could be the headliner because the rest of it top to on. There's prelims that would main event fight nights right now. So it's a loaded fight card. I love the Kayla Harrison edition, and I'm looking forward to seeing when the 300 main event is officially announced. But they should, they, they, they could have some fun with this one. I just hope it's not like 200 where injuries and drug tests ravage the thing the week of. So hopefully this one stays put together for the most part. Yeah, guys, stay off the lean. Stay off the, 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 the cream in the clear, if you will. Oh, you can do that. Just stay off the roids. Just don't get caught. I referenced the cream in the clear, though, just to move into the next segment of crunch time. And that's the MLB. If anybody knows what I'm talking about, cream and clear, I'm talking about Barry Bonds here. Um, the Hall comes a calling here with uh, three new members getting elected to the MLB Hall of Fame. You have two guys who are career franchise men, single franchise men, and another that is a bit of a journeyman early in his career that turned out to be one of the most underrated first basemen of all time. Um, honestly, one of the best hitters in the more recent modern era. Uh, I'm talking Adrian Beltre. He is been elected to the Hall of Fame. Todd Helton, a former quarterback for the Tennessee Vols, by the way. And the one and only catcher extraordinaire, the man from Canada, uh, well, northern Minnesota, uh, Joe Maller. Uh, anybody remembers the old ESPN commercial? People called him a Canadian. Um, so, yeah, no, uh, it's it, congratulations, look. Joe, Joe Maurer was one of the best catchers to ever play the game. Best hitting players, pure hitter since Tony Gwynn. Um, and he was doing it as a catcher. That was unheard of, still unheard of. Um, very few catchers can hit at the same pace as him. The closest one was Buster Posey. But honestly, outside of those two, not a lot of guys in that in, in this current generation of uh, catchers can do the same thing. Todd Helton, we're talking about one of the best defensive first basemen to ever play the game. And again, best pure hitters. Yes, he was in Colorado. Yes, he's a lefty. Yes, they had a right-field short porch. The guy still hit for a plus 300 average through a majority of his career. Uh, I do believe he ends up at 302 or 290, something somewhere in that range. And uh, absolutely, look, no, I don't know if there's any two better guys there with those two. And then Adrian Beltre, probably one of the funniest guys we've ever watched play the game too. Uh, his interactions with uh, fellow Dominican players was amazing. Uh, sometimes, you know, just the, the hilarity that would happen on the field, but in, in, in general from hitting the ball, whether it was with the Dodgers, the Mariners, the Red Sox, over the longest time there with the Rangers, most people remember him as recently. Fantastic player. Um, again, 
defense shouldn't be slept on. His offense was great, but the defense should never have been slept on with Beltre. Um, and again, I think he's one of the more underrated guys to play the position. Didn't get the love that a lot of other first basemen got during the time. Um, also kind of being in the AL at the time. Didn't didn't get it, didn't really have the chance to get the same amount of love. But um, congratulations to these three. Uh, it's it's huge news there for Beltre, Hilton, and Joe Maurer. So uh got yeah, just gotta shout that out because that's a that's a fun little thing every year. If you guys don't have haven't seen it yet, go check out the videos. They're on YouTube of every each one of the players getting a former players, now Hall of Fame inductees, getting the phone call. It's honestly one of the most entertaining things. It's just like when you get the NFL Hall of Fame calling. Um, same thing for baseball. It's the, the videos released are heart-wrenching in the best way. Absolutely. Definitely want to go check that out as well, too. It's very awesome. Well, we appreciate you all for joining us here this on this Wednesday evening, or if you're checking us out on your favorite place as a catch podcast, we always appreciate hanging out and talking sports with you a little bit as well, too. But hopefully you guys enjoyed the show, and we will see you all again next time.